But if I was to be dumped uh, Gatorade on, I would like it to be lemon lime flavored. (laughs) The classic. Welcome to My So-Called Sustainable Life, a podcast where we compare our personal sustainability lives with our professional ones. We share candid conversations, interview guests, and get real about the realities of working in sustainability while also working towards a more just future, all in the name of mitigating our climate anxiety. Sustainable Concordia would like to acknowledge that my so-called sustainable life is recorded on the unceded territory of the Ganyan Gehaga and the Haudenosaunee in Jojage. We are committed to listening to and collaborating with the original stewards of this land. Go to nativeland.ca to find out more about the territories we are on as Turtle Island inhabitants. We'd also like to acknowledge that the physical space we work out of is currently inaccessible and that we are committed to making our programming accessible for everyone in spite of this. Actually, you know what I realized is that one of the articles I listed for microplastics that we're reading Mm -hmm. was written by Lucy Siegel, and she was in The True Cost. No Yeah, she was the one that was like, I used to be a clothes horse, and now I'm like a sustainable fashion person. Wow. It's all connected. What's up, y'all? Okay. I forgot to add this in and it was at the top of my notes because it was very important that I share this with you guys, which is that the film that we're watching today is filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is the filming location for Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill. Also, I scream a lot in this podcast. I think that screaming externally is just the vibe. It's just the vibe, and I'm so sorry, and I'll work on it. <laughs> I'll work on screaming internally. <laughs> People caring about the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not horrifying then. Never mind. But yeah, I have four pages of notes on the short film that we're talking about today. Did you watch mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I watched it. It was beautiful. And well, when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, it kind of gave me the vibes of American Beauty. Do you know that scene? Yes. Where, like, yes. Like, the plastic uh, that I know that movie. Ah! I was like, oh God, where is this going? And honestly, it was beautiful. And I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe it's because what's his name? The the German guy, Werner Herzog. Yes. Yeah, I was like, wait a second, this voice. It's his voice and Morgan Freeman always have that voice of God reason. What else does he voice? Oh my God. All of the documentaries that are about earth. There's one on Netflix called the the Inferno and he's done crazy documentaries. He's pretty interesting. It's a great film. And I also thought the length was really good. Okay. So this is a film called plastic bag it's a short film I picked this film because the first time I saw it was in 11th grade writer's craft (laughs) wow yeah so my writer's craft teacher she introduced it to us as a way to explain different narrative voices Mm -hmm. and non-linear storytelling because we were learning about limited voice and limited omniscient voice and how to use those creatively and then non-linear storytelling because the whole time that you're watching the film you don't know exactly how long has gone by and it starts kind of in the middle of the story and then it goes back right right Uh, yeah so I remember that and I remember one kid in the class saying like it's a good representation of not what happens to us after however our demise occurs but what happens to our stuff yeah it's a good one though honestly when it first started I was like oh but it is very you know the 2010 I think it was when it was directed yeah it was yeah it was released in 2010 and it was actually called like the film of the decade oh wow yeah so that's why I think it's interesting to think about it now And it's, I think, highly, very relevant now, especially. And what I loved about it is that it talks about a relationship, yes, to plastics, but also just like to objects and from the perspective Mm -hmm. of the object. And there was also a lot of similarities. I think that even as a human being, you can relate to and empathize to this plastic bag. 
you know, mm-hmm. as like the plastic bag calling the human that picked it up as a creator and the maker. Looking, yeah, the maker. Yeah. So yeah. I was just like, whoa, this is deep. We should do like a summary of it because I, I have all these notes, but the composer of it, he did another body of work that was about finding the divine or some deep conversation with the divine. So it kind of makes sense that there's also like a maker, or some deity, religious sort of philosophical connection to it. So It's about a plastic bag and his journey into the world. He's first born when he gets purchased by a woman. And he calls the woman his maker. And the woman uses the bag to carry groceries home. Classic. We've all done that, right? Also, this is 2010. So is this pre-having to pay for a plastic bag? I think so, yeah. Okay, so she uses it to carry her groceries home. And then she uses it as a purse. And the plastic bag is like oh she introduced me to her friends because she went to meet her friends carrying a plastic bag and was hanging out with them in the square with the plastic bag and so the bag is like oh I got to meet her friends and then she goes to the tennis court she's playing tennis we just follow this woman as she does mundane things with the plastic bag in tow trying to be conscientious trying to reuse the bag and she uses the bag as a gym bag She goes to play tennis and the bag is like, I cheered her on. And then she breaks her ankle. And this is the pinnacle of being. This is the climax for this plastic bag. Is that he gets to be the bag that holds the ice around her ankle because her ankle is twisted. And he's like, this is the closest we've ever been. We are one. Yeah, because it was skin contact. When he said that, I was like, whoa, some intimate things going on here. Yeah. And I mean, there's a good point to be made about the things that have only one use. What do they do after? This plastic bag is particularly excited because it's being taken around everywhere and it feels like it's part of this human's journey. But not everybody uses plastic like that. So the plastic bag touches the woman's ankles and this plastic bag is thrilled by this development and this is a peak of this plastic bag's existence and i guess plastic bags are supposed to be single use they're intentionally single use but we have found ways to reuse them because we know how bad plastic is for the planet so i guess this plastic bag is getting the adventure of a lifetime to have gotten so close to its maker or whatever and then she gets a dog and uses the plastic bag to transport kibble from the bag that's in the pantry to outdoors which i was like that seems like an extra step couldn't you just take the kibble out of the bag (laughs) yeah bring it outside why did you have to use a plastic bag for that that's kind of extra right (laughs) she's just trying to get her use out of it yeah and then so this big monster comes into her life and the monster is a dog she got a new dog he's a puppy he's adorable the plastic bag hates it the plastic bag is like this all this dog can do is slobber all over me why doesn't she care about me anymore and he gets neglected he's in the pantry swinging just waiting is jealous of the dog and then She uses him, finally, we don't know how much time has passed, but she uses him to pick up her dog's poop on the floor. And the way she picks it up, too, is like so, it just seems so complicated. If you're a dog owner, you know that you just try to come around it, it, grab it, try not to touch it, try not to think about it. But she was like, it was like ghost. My darling, I've hungered for. Yeah, it was like pottery. She was like doing pottery, trying to pick up this plastic bag with poop in it. Was she trying to rub his face in it? It was like, why? (laughs) But so yeah, she picks up poop with the bag. The bag is no longer useful to her. So she throws the bag out. And the next scene we see is a garbage truck driving down an isolated highway and we end up in a landfill and we're still following the bag, but it's kind of getting harder to tell which bag is our bag. It's like shuffling around and all of the rest of the junk that's in the landfill 
And I felt like that was harrowing because I was like, okay, we're following the bag, but then where is the bag? And yeah, after a while, all the plastic we use ends up looking the same in a pile in a landfill or in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. The landfill scene really, I mean, I've seen landfills before, like on TV, and I've been close to one, but every time I see it, I'm just like... (gasps) Oh my God. Cause I mean, living in the city, I see everyone's trash on the streets when it's trash day. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, okay, it's gone. We don't see it anymore. And even though consciously I, I know what it looks like every time I see a landfill, I'm just like, holy crap. What have we done as a species? It gives me anxiety and this stuff is not going to disappear. Yeah. It confuses me because we're just putting them somewhere. It's kind of the same thing as prisons. They're literally in our backyard and we don't even know. Like, except like I've never lived next to a landfill or can you even have housing next to a landfill? There has to be a certain radius around a landfill that you can't put a house on, right? Well, listen, it depends where you live and depends which country. And we obviously know people that are making at least an average income household of 100K, even a 40K, aren't living in that area. But everyone else, if you don't have a choice, you live around there. Mm-hmm. And let's not even get started in the global south. People are literally living right next door to landfill so they can get supplies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a dive. Yeah. And then you can't even really dumpster dive because that's considered theft. <laughs> No, it boggles my mind. And the city's like, it's government property. What? You're going to literally ship the garbage to another country. So technically, like... Yeah. What? A corporation doing something unethical to protect its interest? This is shocking. So now this plastic bag, you see it going into the landfill. And I feel like there was a moment where it was like, oh, I've met other of my kind. Yeah, so that's after. So like there's landfill. The darkness begins. The world is decomposed and has been eaten by monsters, some too small for the plastic bag to even see. So this is eons into the future. There's no humans on Earth anymore. And planet is still thriving. The creatures are still eating and thriving. Jackpot! Yeah, put that shit back. We eating good tonight. But the plastic bag is alone. And floating in the wind is... A little worse for the wear, right? Has lots of holes in him, but he uses the holes to navigate with the wind. And he's still looking for his home. And there's mention of destruction, desolation, and nothing. I feel like humans are going to take care of themselves. There's not going to be a big, like, environmental thing. I think we're just all going to end up killing each other off in the name of capitalism. Like, you know? (laughs) The planet's not worried about us. No, it's always going to be fine. We forget that we are at the mercy of nature and we constantly need to prove that we're above nature. Like, Mm -hmm. hello, (laughs) I'm sorry, but tsunamis have destroyed cities, fires, Mm -hmm. like what, we're just going to keep making shit and pretending to just live our lives out in the most comfortable way. Mm -hmm. Okay, the movie WALL-E, sometimes I'm like, yo, if that is our future, I'm like, Yeah, and now that we know that scientists have been purposefully hiding these numbers and facts and whatever from us, it's bleak. It's bleak time. I know. Anyways, let's go back to this more positive depiction, a a place where there are no humans. (laughs) Way, way in the future, the plastic bag is floating through the wind, wanting to start again. Drifting through the wind, wanting to start again. And he's in a different part of the world because he's like, who lives in these giant buildings? Because he, I guess, is from a rural part of the world. So he's never seen these high rise buildings. So he thinks that the people that live in these buildings are giants, but they're actually big high rise buildings. I thought that that was interesting. If aliens were looking down and all they saw were these big buildings, they'd be like, what are these even for? And then we'll have to tell the aliens, oh, I was typing on my computer and I was doing these things. It's like that TikTok guy who's like, hello, I'm here from the future and here to evaluate your world. And then he's like, oh, so you don't have any healthcare there are people still starving and he's just progressively getting more uncomfortable yeah and then he's saying that there's always new worlds to see Mm -hmm. which is interesting because it's like we could 
spend our entire lives just traveling earth and searching earth and looking at new places and discovering new things but instead we just stay in one spot and cause pollution (laughs) and i think it also is interesting that our stuff anchors us to where we are right this plastic bag doesn't have stuff so it can just go wherever be wherever and it's all it's like one big psyop And also I feel like just the fact that it's been traveling so much just shows how plastic bags can exist through time and how like our waste can in fact travel not just from where we're, we think we're throwing it away. Like the mm-hmm. fact that it traveled, you know what I mean? In time and space, it's like, okay, it's not designed to go away. It's here for a really long time. Yes. It reminds me of deodorant commercial or something, but this person was saying the first deodorant that you ever used when you started puberty is still in a landfill somewhere. Oh, tomato, tomato, tomato. That's crazy. That is crazy. The first plastic thing that you used when you were nine to 12, whenever people start their periods, it's still alive. It's still around. You could go to a landfill and you could find it. That's horrifying. I used to, when I like moved here, I was trying to explore the neighborhood, but I don't really like aimlessly walking. And so I would go into a grocery store, but then I feel bad not buying anything. So I would buy a plastic water bottle, one of those big ones. Yeah. And then I would just use that and refill it and refill it and refill it. But I think yeah. I bought like three before I was like, okay, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my stupid sustainability mistakes. Or I always have to like pick something up. If I'm anywhere, I don't like not having anything in my hands, like, you know. So I'm like, okay, I got to pick up a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and there's different kinds of plastics. There's plastics that don't get recycled. There's plastics that are too thick. And so they need different energy. It's crazy. So after I watched this film on YouTube, the algorithm just gave me other recommendations. So I went into a loophole of watching so many other things. And there was one with DW or something that was someone trying to see if Germany is one of, is is named one of the best countries to recycle their things. And, And their recycling and sustainability programs are pretty far ahead. And even following the recycling program, they only, I think, recycle maybe less than 20%, Mm. which for me is crazy because it's obviously a country that puts that first and they put investments into recycling. So not a lot of things get recycled. And a lot of it is because of the sorting and people not sorting it out properly. So mixed materials. Yeah. This is why the Bible said, do not mix fabrics because it get harder to recycle. But it's so much cheaper to make. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I looked it up and Norway actually has a really efficient recycling system, Oslo. They have to bring garbage in to recycle. Wow. It's so efficient. So let's all be Norway. Okay. Then the plastic bag hears about the Great Pacific garbage patch from these other plastic bags that are on a barbed wire fence and they're preaching about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. So the plastic bag goes on his way. He finally gets to the ocean, is swallowed by the waves, and he meets plastic bags just like him, but they turn out to be jellyfish. and i felt like that was really sad because it was like this plastic bag just wants connection i know and it thought that it found its kin but it didn't and he also meets another plastic bag searching for her maker but then they are parted forever because they have no agency of where they're going and he says that he has to wait a lot because he'll get caught on a branch and there's no humans to pick him up and set him on his way. So he has to wait for the big gust of wind. He can't travel freely. Didn't need to make her anywhere. Loss of identity. Seeing his shadow. Still feeling lost. Okay, yeah. So he sees his shadow. He's like, oh, I guess I'm grass now. Then he looks up and he sees the sun and he's like, but maybe I'm also the sun. And so I guess this idea that man-made fabrics don't have a place in nature, this plastic bag will be searching indefinitely. Mm. And then he finds the jellyfish. He says he starts to learn to use the currents of the water to search for the vortex. 
because he's looking for the vortex, which is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. It covers the area of a small continent. And on his way there, fish are eating tiny pieces of him, which is an important mm-hmm. fact, right? The tiny pieces of the plastic bag are in the fish. And then we eat the fish. It's mm-hmm. like a meme that's like, oh, can I get a plastic bag for my fish? And the lady's like, it's in the fish. <laughs> Because the plastic is in the fish. This is like one long episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm a creative writing major and I sent in my stories. We do it by email and I was submitted for the approval of Minna Society and nobody got it. I was like, boring. Sad, sad place. (laughs) Okay, so he grew restless and trapped, came to like the fish. He says, why were my moments of joy so brief? Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking because he was created for his maker. His maker has died many years ago and now he's just aimlessly wandering. Okay, and finally he's like, if I could say one thing to my maker, I would say, I wish you had created me so that I could die. I was like, wow. Ah! Yeah. Panic. So much empathy for this plastic bag. Even to this day, I'm just like, wow, what a sad love story. Yeah. Even though I have said like that I'm fundamentally against naming object like my rumba my vacuum i got an an electric vacuum which i it's a godsend i love it and its name in theory is roger okay because every time i ask it to go home i have to do it twice and i don't know if you've seen sister sister but the guy's name is roger so i'm always like (laughs) go "Go home home, roger Roger. but and this is in theory, but in practice, I'm not going to name the Rama because I feel like from a labor perspective, I don't yeah. want to name an object, you know? I don't want to associate feelings and emotions to the object because that's what we're creating things for is so that it's easier for us to do chores. And we have a lot of stress and stuff. So we're always trying yes. to figure out how to... Things are just going faster. Yeah, 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 yeah. And from a labor perspective, I'm not going to name my vacuum because... My vacuum is just doing work. It's a button and I press it and it does the thing. I feel like if I attach emotions to this piece of plastic, it dehumanizes real human labor. Mm, you know? Interesting. Interesting. I totally see what you mean. And I actually am differently. I like to develop a relationship with my objects, but just that's just because I come from the design perspective where I'm like, okay, if something is made well and people are paid fairly behind it, I want to give thanks and I want to respect the object. Just going back to fast fashion, if I have to get something from H&M or whatever, just because it is fast fashion doesn't mean I can't take care of it. I still have to mend it, even though I know that the government workers aren't paid fairly enough for it. I feel like I would be dishonoring their labor if I just was like, whatever, I'm going to throw it out. But I get your point as well. I guess it also depends on the use of the object. Well, I'm not a minimalist by any <laughs> any stretch of the word. You've been to my apartment and I have definitely have created attachment to things too, but I am mortal. I know it's hard to believe sometimes. <laughs> so my I'm going to die and my stuff's still going to be here and where's yeah. it going to go and who's going to care for it in the ways that I have. Well, Yeah, that's a really good question. That's why I like to go thrifting too, because this stuff has had history. And back then people were designing for things to last. Yes. No, exactly. That's why I keep saying that thrifting now sucks because vintage now is 2000s is the year 2000 and that's when we you know lost our minds fashion wise it's coming back we're trying to get back to the early 2000s fashion because it's cute now but i remember so many fig pieces about early 2000s fashion that was like why did you put this on your body? Yeah, so it's interesting. We only recycle things when we can just repackage it and pitch it to you mm. the same. Like, anyway. So the plastic bag says, I wish you had created me so that I could die. And there's this beautiful swell of music. And the composer is like, it's so good. <laughs> it's such a good score for an 18-minute uh, video. Honestly, yeah. It, it took me for an emotional ride. I was like, wait a second. That plastic bag took me on a journey. 
And I'm someone that thinks about my usage and my footprint, but it was really poignant to see this plastic bag's relationship to a human. Cause we're always thinking about what we're doing and humans, 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 but it's just like, what about this plastic bag? It doesn't have emotions. It's an object, but I'm like, oh my God, put it in a storytelling position that way. Like my empathy for this plastic bag really was like through the roof. And I'm like, oh my God, like. But you really do have to think about that. You get one piece of plastic and it's going to survive you, your children, your grandchildren, your grandchildren's grandchildren. A piece of plastic takes 500 years to decompose or something. Fossil fuels, it's like we're extracting it from literally bones from billions of years ago. So hello, the chemical composition of it is obviously going to take a long time because those bonds are so strong. Yeah. And... The time period that we're in now is being referred to as a plastic pandemic because we know that microplastics are in everything that we consume. It's in our bloodstream everywhere because there's nowhere for plastic to go. It just gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it's imperceptible to the human eye. So that's scary. But B, like instead of using the plastics that are decomposing and wearing down over time, we're making new plastic to shape into plastic objects. So instead of using recycled plastics to make like a Rubbermaid bin, for example, a one liter bin, instead of using recycled plastics, we're using new plastic that we're cutting up into tiny pieces so that we can like melt it together in the Rubbermaid bin back. Like, isn't that horrifying? It doesn't make any sense. And I was reading why we don't use a lot more recycled plastics is because it costs more. And I'm like, who is making up these prices? That's suspicious. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, mm-hmm. I get it. Probably there's a lot more like energy usage, just like when you're tr- trying to recycle like cotton per se or whatever. You need more water and more resources, but we have no other choice. <laughs> and recycling something where it takes energy, we could use green energy to recycle it. Yeah. And this goes so well with the HuffPost article that I sent you, written by Lucy Siegel, our gal, a resurgence from the true cause she wrote this article and it was saying that we're addicted to plastics and when I saw the title it was on Twitter (laughs) BC Elon Musk acquisition (laughs) anyways I saw this article on Twitter and this girl was saying we're not addicted to plastics corporations are but this article was saying which I agree okay because I don't get to choose when I buy something, how it gets shipped to me. I've talked about a lot about having mobility issues and how the pandemic is, it's hard. Not having the momentum of a routine where I have to go somewhere and on the way back from this place, I can stop in at a grocery store and it takes 10 seconds. That sort of has drained me. And so I'll buy stuff online and it comes in cardboard boxes with this bubble wrap plastic that is supposedly recyclable. I bought a cover for a tablet that I have and it was about 13 inches and it came in a huge box. The box was half the size of my couch. It was huge. What other things could be in this box? Half the size of your couch. That's crazy. Yeah, it was a huge box. And And just for perspective, your couch, maximum three people. Yeah, I have a three-seater couch. So imagine um, half the size of that. That's why. Yeah. Put it in one of those recyclable envelopes. Who makes that choice? And again, it's a labor issue because I'm sure if folks at fulfillment centers for online stores that rhyme with Shmamazon, but don't necessarily have to be Shmamazon, um, if they had time <laughs> to rest, relax, rejuvenate, mm-hmm. if they were being paid fair wage, they would put more energy into using the better box (laughs) there's more plastic being used now than there ever was before and the worst part about it is that scientists have had a solution for this since the 1970s yeah but consumers didn't like what it looked like when degraded because apparently it turns a quote-unquote violent (laughs) shade of purple how Um, dare you yeah i'm okay with things turning purple i love purple yeah 
Sun Chips, they debuted a chip bag that was supposedly more biodegradable. What? I love chips, all right? I got to get chips. But now after the plastic bag movie, I'm like... I know. Everything I look at now, I'm going to get takeout after this. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to get takeout because they're going to send it to me in plastic. Plastic bag. I'm like, yeah. Or they'll send it to you in a brown paper bag and you're like, that's nice. And then you open it and it's plastic, plastic, plastic. And like... 15 utensils and you're like I didn't even request these so the sun chips people they made a bag that disintegrates but it was 10 decibels louder than the original bag and consumers didn't like it so they shelved the project so you have to be kidding me yeah and they even tried to like put a little label on it that said this is what change sounds like And people were like, like, no, I still don't like it. Are these people eating chips, like, not proud of the chip bag crinkling? Here's the thing. I ate chips once in class. I remember I was eating them. They were Miss Vicky's jalapeno flavored. Mm. (laughs) Jalapeno flavor. (laughs) Miss Vicky's gang, rise up. Um, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I was eating them. And then I realized that I was in a class that was kind of quiet. And I was like, this is so loud. And I could tell how loud they were. But in regular life, I don't think I'd be like, this bag of chips is 10 decibels. Yeah, like, come on. Just eat it at home. Eat it in the park. Like, you know what I mean? Man, Just, I want to write to them and be like, bring it back, please. Like, bring, especially I'll sun chips. Sun oh. chips. I will only eat sun chips if they bring it back. Yeah. I can't believe it. I'm okay. just like not loyal to any chip brands because I love all of them. We have to find Sun Chips headquarters and then we have to go up on the building, on the billboard. And then we have to be like, give us better bags. Honestly, yes. Like I love chips. Okay, this is about this isn't a chip episode, but well, uh, I mean there are so many things that involve plastic that I love. Oh. My na- Getting my nails done. I got my hair braided for the first time. Oh. And my friend was like, oh, what do you do with the hair after? And you just throw it out. And it's synthetic hair. So there's a few things that I just decided I can't care about this. I'm anxious about everything else. Everything else in the whole wide world. And I just want to have acrylic nails you know so I'm like I can't (laughs) I pretend not to see it like when I get my hair braided I'm like don't like no so everybody can have one thing (laughs) as a treat it's part of our lives I mean I I don't even know how we could live without plastics at this point in time yeah because going back to it would require an investment and money that we don't have anymore like a big thing about plastic is that it's light transport right So it's easy to ship from Australia to what's the other side of Australia? Have you been playing global? No. I fell off too. I fell off. Me too. I was like, I was so into it. And I'm like, oh, geez. I'm just really bad at world geography. I know, but I think I was getting better. Yeah. I guess we could say Canada. Oh, I feel like they're kind of, they're far. Yeah. The way that we look at the map, like this round thing, square map, Mm. like it, changes our perspective of like what's close because like Canada and Russia are technically neighbors but because it's like laid out flat it changes anyways my favorite map is the Gail Peters map it is topographical I think oh it's the actual size because there are a lot of maps that have big America little Africa we know that it's big Africa little America yeah so map that's less colonial Gail Peters is my favorite. If anyone wants to talk about that, DM me. Scientists have let us down. Well, actually, scientists are, we love scientists. Politicians have let us down. Yes, I have to say, and also uninformed consumer choices, because I feel like there have been scientists who have tried, but we always have to look at who the research is funded by and for whom. Yeah. What? A corporation doing something unethical to protect its interest? This is shocking. We live in a capitalist society. Like it just, that's, it sucks. I, I feel like when plastics came out, there was real true, genuine innovation that was trying to come out of it. We we're trying to make our lives easier. And in the beginning, people were like, oh my God, it takes less water than to make paper stuff or stuff from fabrics or glass stuff. So plastic is great, but we don't think about what happens afterwards, or if something's going to happen afterwards. 
And just echoing with actual knowledge, traditional indigenous knowledge, they've always believed in thinking about seven generations after you think about what happens to this product or this thing that you create as a human being who is literally just a visitor to planet Earth. What happens to this thing that you're making seven generations after? But when plastic was coming into boom, suburban life was coming and we needed to fake pretend or happy lives. Yeah. And we use plastic to further greenwash. Pleather. Pleather is the biggest scam. (laughs) Pleather is the worst scam. Okay. It's literally in the name. Plastic leather. Why would I want that over cow leather that is biodegradable? Anyway. (laughs) I recommend everybody go watch the film Plastic Bag, a short film. (laughs) It's only 18 minutes and it's definitely going to come back in our discussions the next few episodes as we dive into our series on microplastics. Oh, that one, I I can't wait. So I'm, I'm really excited to segue from fast fashion to plastics, microplastics, because they're kind of, everything is interconnected. interconnected. And plastic is a very, very big, huge problem. I had forgotten about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch because I saw this in 11th grade. That was like 10 years ago. That's true. That was a long time ago. So yeah. yeah, we talked about it recently. I had no idea. When I was doing research for this, I had no idea there was a giant patch of garbage in the ocean. There's there's a few of them that exist. It's like the, the, the vortex of the ocean currents. So that's even creepier. I remember when I first learned about it, it was when I had met this friend who was from Sweden, was in Montreal, who was studying sustainable energy or something. And she was doing her research on the Pacific garbage patch. And I was like, huh, what's that? And then I remember just being completely mortified, which I think was also about 10 years ago when I learned about this. I was like, what the hell? But it's like, hello, obviously, where do we really think our garbage goes? We throw it out and we don't see it. So it's not our problem. We're just so desensitized to our waste that we're just like, "Eh, whatever, especially living in a city. Yeah, we have all these little systems to ignore the problem. Yeah, we don't have to deal with it. But not every country or place has municipal trash pickup or so kind of nasty when you think about it. And even the trash pickup that we get, (laughs) it's garbage day in montreal first also people are always like oh new york smells like garbage why do people want to live there (laughs) does it actually smell like garbage i need to know okay so have you ever been yes i've I've frequented new york a few times and like it smells really bad in the summer like in the summer it's like hot hot garbage the heat (laughs) plus the humidity and then the subway fumes coming up through the grills you step out and you're like i immediately need to take a shower this is but also when they leave the trash out for a trash day to pick up like in montreal and i remember one time i had went to visit my friend who was living somewhere that had a bunch of nature and then i came back to montreal and it was during the summer and i'm like what is that smell? And I'm like, oh, it's literally our garbage. And also for the farms that are nearby with all the manure coming through, but like gross. No, it's, it is weird. And Montreal, like, Montreal is a liar, okay? Montreal's not even recycling. I know. <gasps> I need to move, but there's nowhere to go. Where do, I don't like, where do we because go? Let, <laughs> I'm going to move to Vancouver and then pay like, Four thousand dollars a month yeah. for an apartment, which is already happening here too. There's nowhere to go. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? Do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind, wanting to start again? Yes. I just love to be floating in the wind. <laughs> well, honestly, this plastic bag, I was like, I don't know about anyone else, but if you watch this movie and you relate to the plastic bag, um, the existential crisis this plastic bag goes through and the heartbreak, I was like- Well, I was really grateful that I've been created so that I can die. Exactly. That was was literally the only thing I could think about. So I'm like, okay, so impermanence (laughs) is actually really good. It's a blessing. Let me just remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, whoa. Imagine having that long, like- Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and this plastic bag has watched everyone die. That's a dark 18 minutes. No, but it's good. <laughs> I really want people to watch it. I mean, I'm- it's so good. People make fun of it, but also it's so relevant now still. It's kind of scary. 
I know. It's even more relevant. But I think also if people can just have that empathy towards a plastic bag, then maybe people actually will think twice. And mm-hmm. obviously there's people that don't have the capacity to be thinking about if I have to use plastic or not because they're working 20 hour shifts to feed their families. I'm talking about the rest of us who are able to take a second. It's a burden. And sometimes I get pissed because I'm like, it wasn't in my generation where I created the demand to create more plastic and to create it in a way that's designed. So I have to take care of it. This Mm. is the burden that we have to do. And it's a lot of emotional work because every solution right now in this current moment that exists, it's hard to get to because one, the technology that we need isn't ready to meet the demands of the consumers that are existing to consume more. You know what Mm. I mean? It's modern day trying to go back to olden times. It's we're in this period of great healing. (laughs) For real. No, yeah. Movies like Turning Red and Encanto. Parents are apologizing. Parents are taking responsibility and accountability. And it's the generational shift. I remember thinking, because I studied The Breakfast Club a lot in film studies. And the kids in The Breakfast Club have this weird apathetic thing where they're like, you have established yourself as like a middle-class suburban. And you have ascertained that this is a comfortable life and now with this security I want to use that and do something different but you know that's going to create a shift in the dynamic between you and your parents yeah so for the generation of the 80s it was like do I inherit the family business and run my father's car wash business with him or do I say no dad (laughs) I'm giving up your dream throwing away your dream no dad throwing away yours which direction are we going? So I feel like the tension for our generation now is like the things that we were taught are not working anymore. It takes too much energy to recycle. Uh, There's carbon footprint associated with the digital age, like being online. That's untenable. We can't I know no way to calculate that. And then it's kind of like when your parents are like, okay, just go knock on doors and hand your resumes to shops. Nobody does that anymore. If I did that now, people would be like, you're crazy. (laughs) And also I'm like the last year of millennial. Like I'm on the end. I'm 1996. Yeah, I'm on the cusp of millennial and Gen Z. And so I think it's interesting that there's always going to be a generational want for a generational divide from the generation before us, right? Mm. Like the boomers don't want the millennials and the Gen Zs to get along because they would overthrow the boomers, right? (laughs) Yeah. At this point, it's a policy thing. Like, plus the thing too is like, there's an accessibility issue with not having plastic, right? But we can't even blame disabled people. Like that's the wrong method. (laughs) That is the wrong method completely. Because it's like, a disabled person needs to use a plastic straw, but that doesn't mean everybody else does. Everybody bring your wooden straws. I saw a tweet once. If a turtle had to use a paper straw, they would understand. <laughs> but I don't think they would. And I'm divesting from plastic straws. Plastics, yeah. Plastics. It's- oh, the pandemic with the masks. Oh, yeah. That I, I was talk about freaking masks. out. I don't know. So apparently you can clean N95 masks, but actually there was an Instagram post that was like, how to reuse your N95 masks. And like on the label on the package, it says like, if the mask is clean, you can use it for eight hours. But if I take it off, like if I go outside, I walk my dog, I come back in, I take it off. Can I use it for the next walk with my dog? Or is it dirty because I've already been outside? And I was thinking about that. If I take my dog on three walks a day, that's like 21 masks a week. 21! That's crazy. I just want to know, though, because on campus, they said that they're recycling the masks. Where are they recycling them to? That's what I'm wondering. Who recycles masks? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? And like, how is it done? And I want receipts. Yeah. Because... I don't know. I'm like, we're forcing students to go back to school on campus and making them wear like your mask to make it more safe. And you're claiming you're recycling it. I don't know. All I do, all are not even the safe ones. The the ones that are safe are N95 or KN95. The ones that they're giving are just regular medical ones from like the first wave of the pandemic. The first wave, yeah. So, so I much mean, anxiety. 
Yeah, definitely. That's the word anxiety. And, af and after seeing that classic film, I was like, lots of sadness too, you know, just like really just feeling bad for these things that are just going to be on our earth forever just and ever. Forever. Yeah. I, I remember last year, I saw some research in Japan where there was this bacteria that was eating plastic um, in the ocean and they're trying to like oh, yeah. cultivate that. So there is stuff. I just want to just oh, like- yeah, it's an enzyme. They talk about it in the yeah. article. Yeah, I saw that and I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, cool, cool, cool. So there is stuff, but it's like, you know, we said in fashion, like we can't rely on new technologies to solve this problem. No, but I think it's also our, at the core of everything that we do is our consumption problem. It's our culture of just really easing everything out with just buying stuff. And I feel like now that we're more yeah. aware that we're buying, it adds on more stress. It's also like, so, what's the end goal? What's the end goal of capitalism, right? It's like when you play Monopoly and you're like, oh, it's going to be a nice, fun family time. And then 12 hours later, you're like, give me park place. <laughs> you know? It's just like the end goal is to have one person buy absolutely everything and then be the only person alive who is making the decision of like what's going to happen to our earth and if it's the six people who have all the wealth in the world why are they making this decision don't you have family and loved ones and children i know like, i also it's wonder a, it's like when your landlord is a mother with children it's like your job is creating housing scarcity for people just like you. That's horrifying. Well, this is depressing. I'm going to yeah. stare at my ceiling. Every time we do these episodes, I'm like, I got to stare at my ceiling for the next two hours. Think about how little power I have. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's just like that thing of doing personal recycling. Mm -hmm. Does it really make a difference? It, like... <laughs> you do all this personal recycling from the time you're 15 to the time you're 30 okay and then on your 30th birthday an oil spill the size of russia spills into the ocean and all the fishermen in the world decide to drop their nets into the ocean because that's where they dispose of them a lot of the plastic that's in the ocean is commercial fishing nets yeah so you could be doing all this personal stuff and then you wake up one morning on the news it's like Oil spill has set us back 50 years. <laughs> Oil spill has expanded the hole in the ozone layer. <laughs> like, ah! I know, but like you were saying earlier, everyone has a role to do. And that's part of the policy making. That's people that are involved and are passionate about that stuff. Because I personally wouldn't want to be in a room arguing against lobbyists or making policies. That's just not my jam. My jam is trying to recycle, trying to live my life that also helps me at least have some sort of happiness. You know what I mean? Have some sort of purpose. And just to accept that, you know, my life is short and all I can do is to try my best. Even though maybe it won't be the best, at least when I die, I can be like, well, at least on uh, April 28th, I didn't buy that plastic bag you know what I mean I don't know I feel like we are just starting this conversation like our parents didn't have this conversation right so I'm hoping that like this will ripple into the next generation which next episode we're going to be talking to someone who is actually dedicating his studies and his work in microplastics so there is stuff like in nature Things must change. It's just that transformation takes effing time. And right now we don't have time, but what else can we do? You know, let's just elect better politicians, kick out all those oil lobbyists, oil dairy, all those yeah. crappy lobbyists. It's just horrible to think about. Like there's whole towns that their whole economy revolves around oil and oil oh, and all this shit. No, I totally agree with you. It's like the providing of a thriving town because it was provided by the oil companies, like the profit is coming from the oil companies. People are okay with oil companies doing whatever they want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a but, classic, don't bite the hand that feeds. And like a lot of these towns are like, you know, originally low income, don't have higher education, whatever. And this is like their golden tickets. I have friends that have lived in Edmonton and I've spent time in Edmonton to visit and the culture there is really dire 
And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I also get it too, because there's some of these people that work in these, you know, industries that are justifying it because they're providing for their family, which exactly. is it's like oh. abolition, <laughs> all connected, yeah. you know, in some ways I'm indebted to the carceral system because my mom was a cop. A lot of the things that I accumulated, a lot of the privilege that I have is because my mom was a cop and they set you up in a way they give you it's a trade it's like mm-hmm. your humanity for stability it was heavy but keeping it real episode and mm. i think everyone should go watch that video that page has recommended and i'm excited for our next episode yeah yeah you know we're gonna have a guest yeah is there like a plastic now that you now that you've watched this video that you're like i'm done with this plastic now like a type of plastic it's like an object that is plastic a recurring piece of plastic in your life i still have like saran wrap i've had it for maybe four years now mm-hmm. once this finally like is done i i'm just not i'm gonna find another alternative that's good so that's a good one that's that's definitely something that i've used before and like my parents use it so yeah mm-hmm. yeah how about you i'd like a plastic free alternative to water filtration but I think that it requires a lot of space and a lot more energy than just using a Brita filter. I saw that there's this like charcoal stick. Yeah, I saw that too. I yeah. don't know a lot about it, but you oil it and then you can use the water. It's drinkable. Do you know about it? I've seen the charcoal stick, but I haven't looked into it. Yeah, because I mean, I like having a Brita filter, but I think about this giant chunk of plastic that I have to replace every two months. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. I don't like that. I Another don't thing have... I don't like is poop bags, but they're so convenient. Isn't, isn't one that's like... Yeah, so the poop bags that I have are compostable, but you have to send them to a uh, facility that specifically composts them. See, that's also the thing about compostable plastic. It's like people think that it just will enter the earth. It needs to be in an industrial facility. Like, yeah. you know, there's like bioplastics that are compostable. Well, it's not like you can just bury them in your backyard. Like exactly. they require temperature, certain pressure. So right. I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, I'm just like, the best I can do is to really just try and reduce and be way more conscious. Although those zero plastic grocery stores, which there's one right near my house, I might actually check it out. It's just everything is so expensive. And again, that's another whole whole other bags of things. Yeah. I actually have a paper plastic for deodorant. It's pretty good. Oh, cool. I was using this different formula and it kind of burn the shit out of my underarms <laughs> but this new formula is like sensitive and it's like oat oat scented which again is like it's so rustic to be like okay now we're I know using like oats and oh god yeah. and then it's like we're using so much oats and then in like 10 years is going to be this thing where it's like we've used too much oats. shortage of oats yeah and it's like depleting the soil oh my god we're gonna go into this like dreaded <laughs> vortex with the plastic bag going into this vortex of like existential crisis but at least we are designed to die oh sweet release (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to be anything other than what i've been trying to be lately all i have to do is think of me and i peace of mind